Attention, le train de cette heure sera destination à Zurich partira de quai numéro 12. The tall American in the dark blue raincoat glanced up at the cavernous dome of the Geneva railway station, trying to locate the hidden speakers. The expression on his sharp, angular face was quizzical. The announcement was in French, a language he spoke but little and understood less. Nevertheless, he was able to distinguish the word Zurich. It was his signal. He brushed aside the light brown hair that fell with irritating regularity over his forehead and started for the north end of the station. The crowds were heavy. Bodies rushed past the American in all directions, hurrying to the gates to begin their journeys to scores of different destinations. None seemed to pay attention to the harsh announcements that echoed throughout the upper chambers in a continuous metallic monotone. The travelers in Geneva's Bahnhof knew where they were going. It was the end of the week. The new mountain snows had fallen and the air outside was crisp and chilling. There were places to go, schedules to keep, and people to see. Time wasted was time stolen. Everyone hurried. The American hurried, too, for he also had a schedule to keep and a person to see. He had learned before the announcement that the train for Zurich would leave from track 12. According to the plan, he was to walk down the ramp to the platform, count seven cars from the rear, and board at the first entrance. Inside, he was to count again, this time five compartments, and knock twice on the fifth door. If everything was in order, he would be admitted by a director of Le Grand Banque de Genève, signifying the culmination of twelve weeks of preparations. Preparations that included purposely obscured cablegrams, transatlantic calls made and received on telephones the Swiss banker had determined were sterile, and a total commitment to secrecy. He did not know what the director of Le Grand Banque de Genève had to say to him, but he thought he knew why the precautions were deemed necessary. The American's name was Noel Holcroft, but Holcroft had not been his name at birth. He was born in Berlin in the summer of 1939, and the name on the hospital registry was Clausen. His father was Heinrich Clausen, master strategist of the Third Reich, the financial magician who put together the coalition of disparate economic forces that ensured the supremacy of Adolf Hitler. Heinrich Clausen won the country, but lost a wife. Althini Clausen was an American. More to the point, she was a headstrong woman with her own standards of ethics and morality. She had deduced that the National Socialists possessed neither. They were a collection of paranoiacs, led by a maniac, and supported by financiers interested solely in profits. Althini Clausen gave her husband an ultimatum on a warm afternoon in August. Withdraw. Stand against the paranoiacs and the maniac before it was too late. In disbelief, the Nazi listened and laughed and dismissed his wife's ultimatum as the foolish ravings of a new mother, or perhaps the warped judgment of a woman brought up in a weak, discredited system that would soon march to the step of the new order or be crushed under its boot. That night, the new mother packed herself and the new child and took one of the last planes to London, the first leg on her journey back to New York. A week later, the Blitzkrieg was executed against Poland. The Thousand-Year Reich had begun its own journey, one that would last some 1,500 days from the first sound of gunfire. 
Holcroft walked through the gate, down the ramp, and onto the long concrete platform. Four, five, six, seven. The seventh car had a small blue circle stenciled beneath the window to the left of the open door. It was the symbol of accommodations superior to those in first class. Enlarged compartments properly outfitted for conferences in transit or clandestine meetings of a more personal nature. Privacy was guaranteed. Once the train was moving, the doors at either end of the car were manned by armed railway guards. Holcroft entered and turned left into the corridor. He walked past successive closed doors until he reached the fifth. He knocked twice. Herr Holcroft? The voice behind the wood panel was firm but quiet, and although the two words were meant as a question, the voice was not questioning. It made a statement.